You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. Okay, welcome back to Messy in the Middle with me this week for a record fourth appearance uh, for this special bonus episode is Kira LaForgia from Paradigm. If you've been a listener from the beginning or just like follow me on Instagram or read any of my emails, you know that I'm as close to being obsessed with Kira as possible without it being <laughs> creepy. <We're> and <laughs> But I talk about how much I love you all the time and I think it'd be weird if it was just like one more step. So that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm that's all it. I had to say about that. The obsession we is are mutual. friends. <laughs> so Kira, welcome. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> well, thanks Haley. That was such a nice introduction. I love when I listen, cause I listen to your episodes almost religiously. I can't ever say that I'm a weekly or every time an episode comes out listener of any podcast. Because, you know, I have ADHD and halfway through, I'm like, oh, I should definitely get really interested in knitting or something. Um, But I think that, which I think you might have told me about. Anyway, um, but I think there's a something really fun to listen to our old episodes just because a embarrassing and like so much (laughs) has changed and we've learned so much and like our friendship has just continued to grow. So I think Mm -hmm. we've gotten to know each other in like way more deep and interesting ways too. So highly recommend if you don't have friends in business that you can talk to about everything in life, get yourself a Haley, but not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Okay. Instead of um, inflating each other's egos for the rest of this episode, let's talk about what have you been up to since the last time you were on the show, which was basically a little over a year ago now. What have you been up to? What's Paradigm been up to? What's the vibe? You know, I have to be honest. We've been doing exactly the same thing. So <laughs> like maybe we've, we've rebranded, you know, gotten a little bit more intentional with the way that the brand is growing and the team has grown a little bit more, but not crazy. Like I'm not trying to be out here being like, blah, stack things on top of each other. Like I'm, the business is kind of boring and that is how I know it's working. So we absolutely love our clients and the work that we get to do. And as we get more efficient at it, the depth in which we can reach people and help people through team leadership and HR compliance, which is the least fun part, but also our special sauce because every business needs it literally like that's the law. Um, but all of that, I think I don't hear a lot about it on podcasts because the growth process of business can be fun and exciting, but honestly, like as time goes on, it's not that it's not as exciting as it was maybe even a year ago, like, or a year and a half ago or whenever we first met. And well, I guess it's been way longer than that now, but two and a half years almost, but it was so much more, it was different then, you know, like, I feel like now we've kind of hit a point in business where it's like, everything's sort of predictable. We keep chugging along. There's lots of struggles. You know, you have to lean on each other, but we're doing the same thing. So if I try to make it sound like it's that different, it's not. 
like even the thing we're going to talk about today is the fourth time that mm-hmm. I've taught it. So like we've been around the block. <laughs> well, I think that's actually something interesting about, you know, once you hit that like three-ish year mark in business, if you've been doing the same thing the entire time is like, that's when you really start to have the opportunity to experiment and have fun with different marketing strategies because every marketing attempt doesn't turn into this like, snowball of a to-do list where it's like in order to market this way I have to create this thing and then I need an upsell and then I need a downsell and then I need a bump and then it's like every single marketing project turns into like an operations nightmare you're kind of just like we've got our stuff we know it works now let's play around with different ways to reach people and make sure that we can help them and I think that if you're at a point in your business where you're so constantly like doing the roller coaster of things remember that you get to have a lot more fun when you get off the roller coaster and just get to like play around with stuff. Yeah. I worried about like throwing up your lunch. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the vibe of what you and I have talked about a lot recently is it's just a little bit. I do think marketing is kind of that lever that you pull and we talk about it in team development as well, because we want businesses where we can, you know, hire more to increase our capacity. And then, you know, if we need to, we can take a step back and we have lots of freedom and growth within that without getting in trouble legally and all of that. But the lever is really kind of pulled by not only your motivation, but also like how you're marketing. Mm -hmm. And for creative entrepreneurs, I think marketing is one of the best and most creative ways that we can tackle different things in our business. So that's just become something that I don't know if I really respected or understood marketing for creative businesses when I first started this business because my, of my background being on this such a different scale mm-hmm. until probably like, I would say maybe when things started to get really boring and clients were referred, but I wanted a little more consistency. And I realized the traditional funnels are fine, but they're not actually bringing that consistency. Like I need to have a multi-layered approach. And a lot of that I learned from you. So there's a lot of freedom to be creative there. And I know marketing is just kind of thrown around, but it's uh, honestly like I've worked in every area of business and marketing continues to be something that will evade my, any, I don't, I think it's really hard to be an expert. Like, I don't know that, like, you kind of have to have it be your whole life. Like you can't Mm -hmm. have somebody be like, you're business coach and also like an expert marketer. Like you're, you might be an expert marketer that also coaches people on marketing, but it's just too much. There's too many layers to it. Like it changes all the time. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think too, as you're growing a business and in those earlier stages, like we are told to think of marketing as an investment, like you invest in your brand and you invest in your strategy. But I think it honestly takes until things start to level out and you've got the rest of your business squared away before marketing stops being an expense and starts being an investment because you could invest in like this amazing strategy. But then if you change your services every six months, none of the like data you get from that strategy is actually going to help you in like growing and scaling your business. It's not until you've kind of like leveled out on everything and you know what you're offering and you know how you can position it and it's like solid that then you can experiment with different marketing strategies and different media channels and actually use that information to invest in your future marketing. It's not just like throwing shit at the wall and hoping for the best. Okay, so we talk about, we've known each other for quite some time. And in fact, I would like to take credit and say that Pop 
formerly PMF, kind of came to be via text message while you and I were sitting next to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So talk to me a little bit about maybe what POP is and what your vision was when you created it and kind of how it shifted into the version that we're launching right now. Yeah, you know, there, it, it was a fun day. It feels like some, I don't know, you know, when you're in business and some things just feel like a slog and it's like, oh, I got to do this. Like maybe bookkeeping, <laughs> you know, hypothetically, <laughs> totally hypothetically, no one killed me out there or, you know, figure like paying bills or, you know, just, I mean, all for all of it is finance for me. I'm like, all of it sucks. Um, or even just like creating Canva graphics. Like that always feels like a tragedy to me too. Like there are some things in business that just feel so like you're going uphill. And so when we were sitting next to each other at this, at this conference, it was like, I was inspired by all the women that were in the room, but not in the same way that I was like, I want to be like them. It was more so like, wow, a lot of these women, like we were at the conference and people were booking our services just like, because we were all guests and they finally figured out we existed. And mm-hmm. there's not too many of us out here doing what we're doing. So it was fun, but I also kind of felt a little bit like after our clients are done with our process, we abandon them because part of our shtick is that we can build out your HR that is easy to maintain. But at a certain point, like we do let go of your hand and you have to go and lead your team on your own. And I've been leading teams for way longer than I care to admit long, like around 12 years and took my first leadership development course in 2010 through my corporate job, have a master's in organizational management. So it's always been something that's in the back of my head. And so when we sat down and I started thinking about how can I serve my clients in different ways than just this, the paradigm solution, which we can, it's kind of our signature thing. Like we can pump it out. We can give you the the foundations that you need, but then we do kind of let go of your hand. And then that's when all of a sudden our clients have this amazing HR foundation. And then they have this amazing team member or few team members but then I'm seeing them miss the mark when it comes to leadership and management. And I didn't realize that this wasn't something that other people had like gone to business school for. Mm-hmm. So we, you and I were kind of texting back and forth and while somebody was speaking that I guess we probably weren't that interested in. And um, <laughs> we were just like going off on like what this could do for you as a newer business owner, not having worked too much in corporate having a really successful team, but not always knowing how to tackle these issues. And we frameworked out the PMF paradigm management foundations program within like, I don't know, 15 minutes. And it just flowed. It was like the opposite of the slog because to me, it was like, well, I've been training all these directors and managers in my full-time job on this forever. And I, but I've never actually created a framework. It was -hmm. just like, oh, we're going to meet every week for 10 weeks and develop your management and leadership skills. So I was seeing like our clients make these big mistakes, but I wasn't able to give them really any helpful advice because we weren't really working together on that level. And it didn't want it to feel shameful and be like, well, did you have the hard conversation when you noticed these things? Or I started to notice that clients would come to us and be like, so a few months ago, I started noticing blah, 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 blah. And it's like, so what conversations did you have? Well, I didn't know if I was just imagining it. Like the confidence just wasn't there for people to tackle things like head on. And Mm -hmm. it was costing them turnover for amazing people that cost a lot of money for them to bring into their team. So it was really just creating PMF, which is now called People on Purpose or POP, was 
speaking to that experience of our clients and literally just creating a program that I ran three times based on these questions and issues that were coming up. So pop is sort of a amalgamation of all three of those live sessions, feedback we got weekly or bi-weekly from all of our students, including you, Haley, about what was working and what wasn't and really catering it to the small business or online business owner to make it not something that's going to take 50 million years, but could potentially save you thousands of dollars by just having difficult conversations in a really intentional way. And that's how it kind of came out. So it was fast. Like we put it together and released it and marketed it and filled it up every single time through these small group programs. But we, I've been refining it and tinkering it for 18 months now, Mm -hmm. 19 months now. And now it's being released in a way that people can take it in a little bit more on their own time. They don't have to sit in live calls and meetings, but they still get a lot of access. And that's sort of what ended up bringing about the quiz because I wanted to bridge that gap between the live course and understanding people in a really real way. Clients that I'd worked with in the past understood their cultures and helped them build their cultures through our services. But I was like, well, I still need more information if this program is really going to hit the way that PMF did. And so then that's where we kind of came up with the quiz. Yeah, I think it's a really good kind of example of how one size really doesn't fit all, especially when it comes to management. Um, Like even from a participation perspective, I know my favorite way to attend the PMF calls was like with my camera off while I was like bopping around doing whatever, keeping my ADHD under control so that I could pay attention. Um, And so being able to do that in an asynchronous way would probably really make sense for if I were to do something like this again in the future, which I totally would because I love listening to you uh, teach me about management. Um, (laughs) So... When we talk about the leadership quiz, if you are someone who's been leading forever, how do you get value out of the quiz? If you are someone who's never been a leader before and is maybe about to become a leader for the first time, what are you going to get out of the quiz? Like who should take it and kind of what should they expect to do with that information once they figure it all out? Yeah. I mean, I think every business owner could benefit from knowing their people leader archetype because it's not being a leader, being a manager, isn't just about managing people that are your employees. It's also about managing yourself. It's about managing contractors. It's about being able to have difficult conversations that affect the growth of your business. And the quiz really, I needed something that was going to help give me some insight into our students so that I could speak to certain topics that we talk about through the course that previously in live courses, we weren't like we were able to do because we had like a round table discussion. And so mm-hmm. people would bring all of the things that are going on with their team or examples from the past and like get like real time responses on how to answer questions and things like that. So I just like needed something to bridge the gap, knowing that I can't teach this course live forever. And it's not everybody's favorite way to learn. Like you said, like we want to be able to cater to different types of learning styles through the curriculum. And part of HR is learning and development. So I feel a little bit more of a pull towards understanding how curriculum works and how people retain information and have been educated on that in a, in a really specific way in the workplace. So translating this over to something that could be replicated and reused was honestly just something I needed to do for my own team. And um, because I can't sign all, I do require all my managers and directors to take PMF, even in my corporate job. And so now being able to kind of just let them go through the process, have them take the quiz, tell me your archetype. It gives me like a little bit of a shorthand into how they approach leadership and management situations. We use some psychological based, psychology based 
answers and we have a couple of different routes that will impact the way that you are getting your results from the quiz. But I think the key is that after you take the quiz, you get your type, that's fun, whatever. But then you actually get a survival kit, which is going to kindly point out how you may have some weaknesses um, and things that may be your blind spots when it comes to managing and directing other people. Stepping into a leadership and management role is like almost like putting on a different personality. And I think for many of us, it is really helpful to allow ourselves to do that, to cloak ourselves in some other persona while we're dealing with work stuff or, you know, whatever, because it allows us to bring up different boundaries and not have things be carried around with us in our personal lives. And it really lets us kind of step into that. And so then we can, at the end of the day, step out of it. So taking a quiz like this is going to show you not just who you are as a person, because that's totally different, but more how you make decisions and approach leading and managing other people, especially through difficult times. So we wanted to kind of aggravate some of those pain points that come up when you're managing other people. And just know that you may be a stone cold supervisor as a manager, but that may not feel like it resonates with how you show up as a friend. And that means it worked because <laughs> ideally we want you to have an awareness of the different type of persona you may step in when you have to lead people and how creating one of the key indicators between the types is the strength and permeability of your boundaries. And so you may not have super well-developed boundaries in your personal life, but in work, you may have that be one of your main priorities. It's how you survive. It's how you get through the day. It may be a coping mechanism. It also may be an avoidability technique. So we wanted to make sure that there was something you could walk away with the quiz with something that can help you survive, but also show you like, like, Hey, because you have these tendencies and these amazing strengths, you also are going to have some, I don't want to say weaknesses, but essentially areas of opportunity where you might just want to draw your attention to those. And I know we can talk about your results and talk about what those areas of opportunities might be to give people like a really solid understanding of how those topics play in with each other. But I think one of the things that I thought was funny when hearing other people's results, which I love to hear. I feel like I get to know people in a certain way immediately. Like when, even if I've never talked to them before, cause like, you know, I wrote it, but I think <laughs> it's really fun to see what they are because they're often surprising, especially when it's my friends. And I've also noticed people using terms incorrectly. Like I'm like, wow, I'm really surprised you got, you know, the BFF boss type, which I realize is really cheesy, but like, whatever, just go with it. <laughs> but they're like, I'm like, that surprises me because as a, even with working with our clients, we know them in a different way than how they may lead their teams. And they're like, well, I'm way nicer to my team than I am other people. And I'm like, ah, but being nice is not a leadership characteristic. So there's something mm. else that got you that result. And it's probably has to do more with your boundaries or the way that you see yourself within your team and your responsibilities that you have to them. And so it's interesting because every single type is a nice, kind, intelligent, smart, fun person. Mm -hmm. None of those are going to be characterized as being the fun one or anything like that. It's, right. it's a completely different type of quiz. So I've actually had a couple of mutual friends that have been like, what the hell? Like my result is rude. And I'm like, no, <laughs> read the freaking survival kit. Like this isn't a personality test. Like this isn't a, it is in a sense, but it's not the same thing. And so I think just take it with a grain of salt. Like it's, they're all really positive results. Like one of our friends got the stone cold supervisor, which is the Miranda Priestley. And this is my favorite type, but they think it's the worst. And I'm like, no, like it's not. It just 
shows that you have really strong and direct boundaries. And that's going to come with some repercussions for team members that may not directly understand that or have never had a boss that works with them that way. So how can you bridge the gap without necessarily sacrificing your style, knowing Mm. that about yourself? And they're like, I'm so offended. And I'm like, Miranda Priestly is a literal badass. All of us would trade our souls to become Anna Wintour. So I'm not 100% sure why you're mad. (laughs) Also, like, you're so offended. I don't think Miranda Priestly knows how to be offended by someone else's opinion. Like, come on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which is so interesting because it's like, wow, so you're mad about this. I mean, you know, not really. But Mm -hmm. they're like surprised or shocked or they're like offended, you know. Funny, funny. It's a quiz, like seven questions. Like nobody's right. thinking like I'm like going to judge them for life or whatever, but it is really insightful to take a look at it. And, you know, as much as we tinkered with it and worked on it and like took, it's not just, you know, I've had several other quizzes and they didn't hit like this one did. And I think right. that the reason that it did is because it shows you something that is about yourself in a really specific way, like as a leader, this is who I am. That can be totally different than how you see yourself as a human woman or a human person. So it's been really funny to kind of see people like get a little up in arms about it. And then they read, I'm like, did you read the thing? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, let me know how you feel after. And they're like, oh, it's totally me. And I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I have one more question about the quiz before I think we can wrap up and then maybe redirect people over to your podcast to catch kind of part two of this conversation. And that is in PMF and in now pop, I'm assuming we do a lot of work with like the Colby and talking about strengths bust and kind of the hallmark of the Colby is that it never changes. Your strengths bust aren't supposed to change. Mine changed a lot, but that's I think they do. Yeah, they change. Um, But they're not supposed to. And then compared to like a Myers-Briggs or something, which can change, like depending on how you're feeling that day, where would you put PM? uh, Where would you put the leadership archetype on that spectrum? Is it something that if you are unhappy with your leader archetype, you can kind of like work and change and shift into a different type of leadership style? Or do you think it's something that's more like innately a part of you? And you get what you get and you don't get upset. (laughs) Um, I guess I think it's a little bit of both because the questions are more about the way that you make decisions and the way that you approach things and the way that you think about things. So we wanted to make them really clear that they're based on your values, which don't change too often. But I think it would be really ignorant for me to be like, no, you can't take the quiz a couple of different times and get a different result. Like I'm not, you know, a genius over here. Right. Um, so, and the Colby is so high value and it's just something I respect so much. So like, I mean, if you want something that's going to last forever, like spend the 55 bucks and take the Colby. If you need a referral code, I'll send you one. Um, so I think that it's, it's not so much about that, but the nice, at least like, you know, you can take the quiz a couple of times, but also like once you take your quiz, you get redirected to a landing page that will give you access to all, to all the other results as well. Mm -hmm. So you can, I think that when, especially when it comes to management, we can take what we, you can take what you want from your results and take what is valuable to you. But you might also find that other results might show you a couple things that you resonate with based on certain situations. Um, so I think that generally the results are pretty spot on in regards to where you're at now. Um, but you will develop and grow as a leader, which may change some of those values-based questions and change some of those answers, Mm -hmm. especially in entrepreneurship. I think we grow so much that 
we might approach an answer in a certain way now, but then we might end up with a team member that really affects us for the long term, either in a positive or a negative way. And we've been able to experiment and try new things and ask ourselves questions and grow and, you know, develop over time. And so those values-based questions when it comes to management and leadership probably will evolve and change. So you should see your revolt, your result evolve and change, but mm-hmm. there's not like, it's, it's not like growth is only in one direction. Like everybody starts as a type one and then we want them to get to a type five. Like, right. I think there's no bad or good, which was by design. I don't want people taking a quiz when I'm promoting a product where they're going to be like, wow, I suck. Like, that's not it at all. It's more mm-hmm. so just like understand the power of understanding yourself as a leader. And I wanted to give like some of my best advice that I give even throughout pop in through that survival kit to show people like there are so many things that you can do to make your life easier, especially because every single activity that you do in your business is going to cost you money or it's going to make you money. And that includes team. And it's especially it's exponential with team because anything you do is a ripple effect with your team. And also any decision that you make within your business is building your culture. So understanding who you are as a leader can help you be more intentional with your culture. But I would recommend instead of changing yourself, think about how you can adapt your culture and your company culture, your job posts, you know, things like that, that is attracting your, your team members to what your result is so that you're really being clear about the expectations that they have coming in. And just, I mean, you know, don't, I don't want to take everything so freaking seriously, but I think there's value in each of the, each of the types and Mm -hmm. you have access to all of that information too, which you can learn from, but then more so in pop, because that's when it's actually like, you know, filtered through a lens of education and Mm -hmm. really absorbing the information. A lot of situational examples We try to make it really conversational, a lot like this podcast, but I'm really proud of it. And I'm super excited for, for people to see it. And, you know, also we have come up with a bonus workshop, which I want to tell everyone on your podcast, even though I haven't really announced it yet. So you can, but I have one more question before I turn the floor back to you to be like doing all the promo stuff. Um, and it's because it's something that I've seen on social media a bit lately. I've seen it in some of your emails and you've mentioned it here where, you know, hiring good team costs money and it's potentially expensive and taking the time and energy to learn how to be an effective leader for that team takes time and resources and money. Why don't people just hire contractors instead so that you don't have to lead them? Isn't that cheaper? No, (laughs) no, it isn't. Um, Well, this is a pretty loaded question, as you know, Haley, which is, I think, why you asked me. Um, (laughs) But I think the big thing is I'm trying to figure out how to explain this in the context of like what we've been talking about. So I do think it's possible to run a business and not hire a team to be a solopreneur and to just do your thing and do your freelancing and call it a day. But I think you kind of have to be under, you have to have some realistic expectations that like, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a business. Like you are a freelancer. And that means that generally, if you've chosen this path where you don't want to be responsible for delegation, hiring other people or whatever, then you're probably not super interested in scaling. And that's great. I hope that you fine tune your, your activities on the day to day to make sure that you can make enough money to survive. It's absolutely possible to do that. We have clients that started out that way for years and years and have made literally seven figures before they've actually had to dive in depending on the business model. Of course, Mm -hmm. um, they've had to dive into hiring employees 
to get to that next level and start scaling. So I think there's, there's a lot of reasons why somebody would build a team. And a lot of those reasons will indicate what your team culture is going to look like, what your company culture looks like. And that's all dependent on your goals. So I think that we can't really give a blanket answer for it, except for think about what you really want, take the quiz, understand who you are as a leader. And you can even use the lessons that you learn in pop to explore if this is something that you really want to do. Um, my big thing is that when it comes to deciding whether or not to take a step in one direction or another, when it comes to either growing your business or even like, oh, I need to take some time off, but I don't want to lose my retainer clients. I'm going to hire a subcontractor and not make as much money for a while. Then just make sure you're doing it legally. So make sure that if there are things that you need from people that are working for you that fall under the employee category, that you are categorizing them correctly and doing the work that it takes to make sure that they are paid fairly and they're paid accurately because the fees and the penalties and the drama that comes along with misclassification is not only a lot, but it's also embarrassing. Misclassifying Mm -hmm. and exploiting workers is not something that any of our clients or anyone in our community is really down with. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really more about decide who you are, decide why your leadership style matters, figure out how much of that you're interested in. And then you can decide how your business or how your career will reflect that through the way that you have goals for your team. Your goals and your business will tell you whether you need employees or contractors. And then we have to take it one step further, go a little deeper, figure out the state laws and things like that. But I think at the end of the day, I, my biggest advice is actually going to be for business owners that are hiring contractors. And I just want to caution you, like treat your contractors like they deserve to be treated, which is business owners or freelancers that are running their own ship, that have their own assets, that have their own intellectual property. And you need to stay in your lane and not treat them like employees and make sure that you are doing everything that you can to ensure that you're not exploiting other business owners. Because I think that that's where it gets really iffy and shaky on the ground of, on the grounds of our reputations. You can really truly build whatever business you want and we can staff it in an appropriate way whatever your goals are, but those should be the center of it. I think when we start to get in trouble is when we're putting, I don't want to have employees at the center of your business goals. It's like, okay, well then here's the, here's what you can do with your business and the model that it is and the way that you like to work. And then we can sprinkle in some leadership stuff to make sure that that is truly accurate based on the way that you want to proceed with your business. But you can't, like, you kind of have to go with your goals first and then reverse engineer it into Mm -hmm. how we're classifying those workers. And I cannot tell you the amount of business owners, clients. I mean, we have clients that straight up want to build a business model that doesn't need employees. And they're making sure that they're staying compliant through our services and consulting just to make sure that they can, they're not mistreating anybody for as long as they possibly can for whatever their reasons are. But I think most of the time it's a little bit, ill-informed. Like they've usually gotten some advice from some bro marketer. That's like, just hire contractors until they get mad. And it's like, yeah, cause turnover is cheap. No, like, you know, it's like, or you don't, you don't really have control over what people are doing. If they're your contractors, you have to center their, the contractor is going to tell you what they need from you as a business owner. And if you're finding friction in what you need from them, especially when it comes to control assets, uh, intellectual property, all of that stuff. If you're finding friction there, you probably need an employee because then you can indicate all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing about employees that's really important to note is that they're not more expensive than contractors. Contractors set their own rates. Mm -hmm. So you find somebody that is going to serve all the needs that you have for your business. You don't get to decide how much to pay them. But if you design an employee role, 
then you get to decide when they work, how they work, what you're contributing to their development, how they're showing up for you, what they're accomplishing, what those deadlines are. Like that's an employee. I do have contractors in my business. I have a copywriter and a graphic designer. They're both, in my opinion, the best out there. And so I will pay a premium, but I could absolutely slash those payments into, you know, tenths of their hourly rate if I wanted to bring that person in-house and hire them internally. And if and when the time comes, I may do that. But for now, I don't, I don't know enough about this to make sure that I'm getting the best result from them. And I don't have the time to deal with subpar copy. So like, I'm just not going to do that right now. Like, I think we have to be really clear about our expectations and understanding what we're going to get from people. If I want an expert copywriter on my team, I have to be able to pay and I want them to respond when I want them to. Sorry, this is a long-winded answer, but I feel like examples are good here. Um, If I want an expert copywriter on my team, that's going to give me the result that I've come to expect from my copywriter that I use for all my projects, then I know that that's like $150,000 a year job. So if I want to bring them in and control their time and give them, you know, you know, tons of projects to work on, and I want them to write every single thing that ever happens in my business from my emails to my email signature to my, you know, everything at the end of the day, everything being a conversion copy, um, that's going to help invest in my business and sell things when I don't have to actually show up for it. Then I have to be able to prepare to pay for that control through having an employee that is that talented. And I think it's really interesting. I have a friend who works for, and I'm not going to say the company, but it's a big company, um, really fun, creative ads. Like they're the ones, you know, they had some, they have some celebrities in their ads. Like mm-hmm. there's, a, they were have Super Bowl commercials, like hilarious, like cheeky, fun stuff. And she's the director of copy. And you can bet your ass that her freelancing rate is way higher than what she may even consider her hourly rate at her job because she's working as, you know, a director of copy for a major company. They don't have a huge team, but it's Mm -hmm. a very profitable product-based business and she's the best of the best. So at the end of the day, like it's not really cheaper to hire her as a copywriter, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm sure that it's, it would cost, I don't even know how I have never even asked her. Like that would be crazy, (laughs) you know? So it's like, we do have to make sure that you're not going to get a deal on talent. Like you're just not like, if you want a talented high quality person, then you have to be willing to pay for it. But some businesses, we don't need that talent and high quality. We just need a little bit of help. And -hmm. that's where I think we get a little bit lost in paying VAs $45 an hour that's a $90,000 a year salary if you had control over their time. Whereas most people that are starting out in an admin position, college students would love to work for a remote business for 10 to 20 hours a week, get paid less than $2,000 a month. That would be more than enough than for what they need. And they're helping us so much 20 hours a week. So like, I mean, I pay when I, when I pay, I'm just using coffee as an example. Cause like that I think is such a valuable thing that people need for marketing. It's something I've learned over the last year and you can speak to that too. Um, but I think there's something really powerful about understanding that there are certain jobs in your business that you need that expert for, and you have to be prepared to pay those full-time salaries. But most of the time, the big needle movers in the business are going to be the more administrative assistant type positions that are ready to grow with you. And those are like a $20 an hour role. And that's a good pay. Mm -hmm. Like that's something really great. I mean, I know you have a team member who I don't know how much Angela makes, but she's been with you for such a long time. She has all these different things going on and you get to be her consistent source of income while she pursues other creative interests. And I think that people, entrepreneurs don't understand that there are thousands and hundreds, millions of people out there that would love 
to work for a company that's not going to abuse them, that's going to pay them fairly, and you get to work remotely. And it's still going to, it's so mutually beneficial. So Mm -hmm. I really hate it when people are like, I can't afford employees. And it's like, that's not really a thing. Like, Like you can't afford your employees, but you pay your OBM $3,000 a month for what? Right. Right. I mean, you can afford an assistant. Yeah. Or you can't afford employees. Then like we need to talk, we actually need to talk about your business model Mm -hmm. because what's going in and out on the finances, that's not allowing you to expand your capacity because most contractors are not going to expand your capacity to the extent that you can scale your business. But there will be some contractors that you bring in that are going to free up more time for you to scale your business on your own. Mm -hmm. And I think that taking the quiz, you know, to bring it back to that will help you to understand maybe just un- unlock some things that might be holding some fear for you, leading other people scary and start to be more excited about it. Because when you do start to hire a team, I think the coolest thing is that part of your job is now to make sure that you're growing and developing yourself. Because if you're not, then your culture and your people are going to remain stagnant. So mm-hmm. investing in yourself, and I mean, investing in time, I'm not saying like invest in my thing, although yes, but like (laughs) reading books and, you know, setting aside time to understand other business models, to interview people, listen to podcasts. Like that's all an investment of your time too. That's part of your job as a leader, because the more you grow, the more your culture grows. And that's all the way up until you get, I'm going to say 80 to hundred employees. When we work with businesses that are that size, that it becomes less about the CEO. But if you're talking about hiring your first five, 10, I mean, you've got a long way to go before you get to 80 to hundred employees. So you've right. got to centralize your personal development for quite a while in order to get to that point. But yeah, I know this is like a really long answer, but I have an episode on employee contract employees and contractors. You can listen to that if you want to, but I think <laughs> we'll the main thing it. is just ask yourself, what kind of business do I want? And okay, I need to cater the support I'm getting to what I'm legally allowed to do. Like it really does boil down to that. Awesome. So 15 minutes later, what can people do to keep learning from you? If they haven't taken the quiz yet, where can they go to take the quiz? And if they have taken the quiz, what should they do now? Yeah, well, I'm really excited because we have a workshop coming out too. That's going to help us to promote pop people on purpose. And it's all about tackling difficult conversations. So once you know your type, the workshop is actually going to talk about how to approach certain types of conversations with anyone that you're dealing with and through the lens of your leadership archetype. So maybe how you might work, how you might approach a conversation. If you are a BFF boss versus if you're an open book boss and Also in our people on purpose course, we're going to have a bonus masterclass, um, when it releases, I know it's not out yet, but I'm really excited about this where we're act, we've actually created 10 different employee personas. So you can basically just take your leadership type and then identify which if you have to have a difficult conversation with one of your team members or contractors or anything, you can take a look at the personas, figure out which one they fit into and get really personalized advice for how to approach situations through the lens of your archetype and their persona. So it helps to kind of formulate instead of having to just kind of wing it when it comes to these, I mean, a lot of us like stay up at night worrying about them. So I just wanted to make it a little bit easier, but also like, you know, it's people. So you have to be able to bend and kind of give yourself some grace, give your people some grace in order to get to the next level. So just follow me on Instagram. You can find all that stuff. Um, there's links in my bio to sign up for the workshop. And then of course, like look out for people on purpose to launch in the next couple of weeks, because I'm so excited about it. 
And also, I think I might have drank too much coffee today because I'm talking so much and we barely <laughs> talked anything about what I wanted to ask you about with your type. But Haley, will you tell everyone what your type is and what you thought about taking the quiz? Because I'm kind of interested in knowing what you think. Um, yeah, I kind of thought we might want to save that for your podcast to make people listen to both. Um, <laughs> but I'll tease it and say that I got the balanced mentor and I was very excited about that because the little like gif explaining it was Jacqueline from the bold type. And she is like one of my favorite like on-screen bosses, which I didn't realize I had an on-screen boss tier list, but apparently I do. Um, <laughs> and so I was really happy to get that result. I know you told me when I got it, you were like, that's the best one. And then you were like, JK, they're all great. And I was like, yeah, but that's the best one. (laughs) So, I mean, when I picked Jacqueline for that, it was for you. Cause I knew you're like maybe one of my only friends that watches the show, watches the bull type, which everyone should watch it. Such a good show. So good. And it's over now. So you have like a finite number of episodes. Right. I know that's really sad, but I'm happy for all those girls. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So yeah, to keep listening to Kira and I talk about leadership and learn, I guess, more about what I think about my archetype, head on over to Kira's podcast for links to that and everything else we talked about today. They will be in the show notes, the email that you probably clicked on this episode from and in Kira's bio, I guess. They're, they're places you can find them. So or you can just it. DM us. Thanks for listening. <laughs>